Thanks for joining the Heights Church podcast today. We hope that you enjoy the message. If you're in the Sydney area, be sure to join us at the Heights Church at Golston Road, Hornsby Heights, Sydney, Australia. So we're going to be reading through John chapter 20, um, and I'm going to be kicking us off in verse number 1. John 20. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciple went back to where they were staying. Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been one at the head and the other at the front or the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realise that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Thinking he was a gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him, cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, your God and my God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And he said this and he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Jesus appears to Thomas. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, 
one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. And Thomas said with them, Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here, see my hands, reach out your hands and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. May God bless you all as we share this word and hear from his word today. Good morning, everyone. Wasn't that early when you got up and, uh, and got should have fully on chocolate high by now, I'm pretty sure. Now, as we read that passage, I don't know whether you noticed something uh, and whether something was kind of perplexing to you. You would expect, wouldn't you, that after Mary uh, came back and sort of had saw Jesus risen from the, from the grave, that he, he, she met him face to face, that the whole world would have erupted that everybody in Jerusalem, just like on Palm Sunday, where everyone was crying out for the King, Hosanna, to save us, they would have all come out to the grave, would have all erupted in great celebration, and including the disciples. I mean, they've been waiting and they've been walking with Jesus over and over again, right throughout the whole of his three years in ministry. And for them, you would expect for them to be in massive celebration of the risen Lord. Instead, we read, that the disciples looked and saw that Jesus had risen and then went back home. My goodness, who wrote that script? Amazing, isn't it? Bit of an anti-climax. You would expect something like Hollywood things to happen. But you see, they weren't sure really whether Jesus rising from the dead was going to be good news or was going to be bad news. Remember, they all deserted him at the cross. They all went home. Maybe Jesus would choose new disciples, more reliable ones. So they slink back into their homes. But Jesus shows up and makes a series of personal visits to them to show how his resurrection can absolutely change their life. And he shows us in the word, in the Bible, that he can change your life as well. The resurrection brings his presence. We see that as we read on. And after Peter and John leave, there's one person left in the cemetery and she was all alone by herself and that was Mary Magdalene, just standing there weeping. Now Mary was this demon-possessed kind of insane woman living on the streets, a prostitute. And unlike all the women mentioned in the Bible, Most of the time, not all the women that mentioned in the Bible have 
have it like she's the, the mother of or she's the, the wife of. or she, They're connected in some ways in relationship, but Mary Magdalene had no reference to her relations at all. She was just Mary of Magdala. So the social hierarchy of the day, she was the lowest of the lowest. She didn't have any family. She had no connections whatsoever. The only family that she had was Jesus. And Jesus was dead on the cross. But she met him, the risen one. And Jesus reached down from the gutter and saved her. And although she believes he was gone, all of a sudden, her weeping turned to great joy in the presence of his, her, her saviour, her risen Jesus. And he meets her personally. We read in, in, in verse 15, he says, woman, which is not derogatory, by the way, that's the way that you greeted somebody in those days. Woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? And as we read, thinking that, she was, that he was the gardener, he said, sir, if you carried the corpse away, tell me where you put him and I'll come and get him. And I love this. All that Jesus had to do was to say one word to her. And that was Mary. See, he knew her by name. And in fact, the Bible tells us that the good shepherd, Jesus, knows his sheep by name and he leads them out by name. And he knows your name as well. It's very important for us to understand he doesn't kind of, kind of love the whole world generically, but he loves you specifically. And even to this day, he calls you by name. When he come out of the grave on this Easter morning, he called your name. And because he is risen, he's not restricted to time and place anymore. Because he's risen, he can actually be present with us every single day. It's not some psychological trick. It's not some power of positive thinking that Jesus is with us and walking with us each day. No, no. He's risen. He's alive. He's present with you. And I believe that God's message for you and I today and this Easter Sunday, in fact, every day, is that Jesus says, surely I am with you, I am with you to the end of the age. He wants to call you by name. He calls you by name. He wants you to walk with him. He wants to show you his presence every minute of the day. Isn't that a promise? That's a promise and a half, isn't it? That Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. And Mary's life was never the same after that. We read that she ran from that place with radiant joy. She, she not only knew the facts that the tomb was empty, but now she'd known like she'd never known before, the presence of God is with her. And she goes away rejoicing. He is personal and he is present. And he offers you through the resurrection his peace. I'm sure that you would agree that fear is overtaking our society big time. Fear of the future, fear of relationships, fear of identity, fear of debt, fear of climate disaster, and in some places in the world like Ukraine, fear of war and death. I was just the same for the disciples, I think, in, in verse 19. We see on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together, they locked the door in fear. 
They had seen what happened to Jesus as they crucified him, as they had some mock trial, as they put him on the cross and he died a horrible death. And they're thinking to themselves like we often do in fearful times, what if? Have you ever played that game before, the what if game? That paralyses you in fear? Like what if I fail? What if I don't get better? What if I don't make the team? What if someone recognises me drinking instant coffee? Or instant decaf coffee, that would have been worse. We can imagine the most insane things that go through our mind and the disciples, the doors were locked and this is what fear did for them. They locked their doors, they closed themselves off to opportunities that were before them and they were afraid and they would not step out and take the risk. It makes us fearful sometimes to step out in faith, doesn't it? But I love what happens next. In the next sentence, just like in Mary, it changes everything for the disciples. These guys were in the upper room. They couldn't stop talking about Jesus and what happened in their life. And Jesus comes in right amongst them and says, peace be with you. And again, he said, peace be with you. And again, he said, peace be with you. And if they didn't get it again, they said it four times, peace be with you. Now, the disciples were fishermen. They may not be quick on the uptake, but they caught a good, had to get it at the end of that. No offence, Cooper, he's a fisherman. Jesus is not saying, be at peace, and then it's your responsibility to make it after that. No, he's saying, peace be with you. There's peace in him. There's incredible peace that comes from knowing the risen Christ. See, before we know that Christ rose from the dead and satisfied the sacrifice of the grave, we were constantly striving to be right with God, knowing in our heart that we're not right with him. That if there's a God where we certainly have not loved him with all our heart and we certainly have not loved everybody else around us as we should and there's separation that we know in our heart where we're not right with God, we're not walking with God and we think somehow around around ourselves that we have to create that peace within within us. So we do all religious things. We try to make it right by, by doing all the things that we think God would be pleased with. But we know that God was pleased with his son who died on the cross for you and for me so that we don't have to strive anymore like Chris spoke about on Good Friday that it's finished and now I've risen from the grave and you can be assured of peace. Let me put it this way. If somebody you know, like a personal friend, that you start to believe, he says he's God, and you start to believe that he, that, uh, of things that, that's happening in his life. You start to see the miracles that are going on. And then he rises from the dead and he says that, by the way, all power and all authority in heaven and earth is now upon me and this power and authority I give to you. That is going to bring you peace and it's going to make you and allow you to step out with great boldness in this world. So this risen Christ makes Fears evaporate in their lives and absolutely changes their lives and it can change your life too. But there was one disciple that was missing. That was Thomas. I don't know what he was doing. He was going down to 7-Eleven to get that cheap coffee because nothing else was open on Easter. 
I'm not quite sure what was going on with him. But when other disciples got excitedly told Thomas that Jesus had rose from the dead, he couldn't believe it. And Jesus was back in, in, there and, and, and if he was risen from the dead, and they couldn't stop talking about it, but he needed to see it right there. He needed to touch Jesus. He needed to connect with him to, to bring it all back. And basically Thomas says, look, you can believe all you want, but unless I see it face to face, he's dead and it's all over. And then the Bible says that he blurts out, I'd have to stick my fingers in the wounds of his hands and I would have to drive my fist in the hole where the spear went. You would have to do... Uh, I would have to do that before I believe in any resurrection. And then he gets the chance. You know how some, sometimes you can be talking about something that you probably shouldn't be talking about like that and all the disciples are looking past him, just like someone might look past and you go, they're standing behind me, isn't he? And he gets that, he's standing behind me, isn't he, kind of place. He says, oh, no, I'm cooked. That's what you would think, wouldn't you? Thomas might have thought that, uh, well, well, nice knowing you fellas, but this, this is what Thomas said. He put, Jesus said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas reacts like this. My Lord and my God. See, Thomas had heard the other disciples talking about it. And he heard about all the facts. But again, what changed his life was that Jesus showed up and assured him of his presence and the truth of his resurrection. Now, I don't know whether you have come here with doubts. I don't know whether you hear the risen Lord Jesus and go, yeah, yeah. I'd probably have to put my fingers in his hands and... To make it all true for me. Jesus says, try him. Symbolically put your fingers, your hand and touch his hands. Symbolically touch his side. Be assured of his presence. Thomas' life was changed. In fact, he travelled further than any of the disciples speaking about Jesus all the way that he went to India to tell people about this risen man, the one that come back from the grave. And with the assurance of Jesus and his doubts satisfied, he became the most enthusiastic witness that we ever have. Jesus wasn't angry about his doubt. Jesus wasn't afraid of his doubt. And he's not afraid of your doubt if you have it. And he's not afraid of the questions that you want to pose to him and have him answered. He wants you to have an intelligent faith, to look into stuff and research stuff. If you've got to do that, do that. And I can help you do that. And our church here can help you do that. Or other Christians can help you do that. If that's you, ask those tough questions. Jesus says, taste and see that he is good. And finally, the resurrection brings his forgiveness now, there's one more personal encounter that we read about. We've had Mary and we have Thomas and the disciples in general, but there's Peter. And Peter announces before Jesus died, he's somewhat foot and mouth disease. He says, you can count on me, Jesus. 
You know, I'm a fisherman. Not, nothing's exaggerated. I'm not an accountant like those, those other guys out there. I, I'm there. But then what happens, he falls flat on his face. After the great bravado that he came with saying, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, I'll never walk away, I'll never do anything that's going to, to malign my relationship with you, he falls flat on his face in baseball terms as kind of three strikes and he went out. Peter, using the best fisherman language that he could ever muster up, told others around him that he had nothing to do with him and denies him. And he did it two times and the last time is a real kicker because the third time Jesus is on the whipping post, is getting beaten and brutally bashed and he denies Jesus and looks him straight in the eyes and Jesus didn't have to say anything and he went away weeping, we're told. I don't know what you've done in your life. But imagine your worst sin, the worst moment of your life, the worst downfall that you have ever had. And imagine Jesus looking at you straight in the eye during that time. For Peter, Jesus being back for him was not good news. But we discover the forgiveness and the love that Jesus has. See, Jesus appears to Peter after his resurrection and asks him three times, in line with his denial, he said, Do you love me? He says, Yes, I love you, Lord. Then feed my sheep. Not literally the sheep, people. And then he says, Do you love me? And he said, Feed my sheep. And then, Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Three times. And it's amazing that. Not once, but three times Jesus mentions him and includes him into his future, but never recognises his past. He never brings up saying, you know how you denied me? You say you love me. You denied me, but now go and feed. He doesn't say that. And he doesn't say that to you either. On your worst time, on your worst moment. Jesus' words essentially says to Peter, I know that you've messed up, but it's not game over for you. Get back in the game. And Jesus' message to the guilty is that you are forgiven as you look at Jesus' eyes, the risen Lord Jesus, after he died and rose again. I wonder how many people have been brought here today to hear that message. Where you think, if God only knew, he would never accept me. Here's the big news. God knows. We might have skeletons in our closet, but there's no skeletons to God he knows. You might think, I wish I could have done something differently. I wish I could have changed my... God says, I know you completely, I know your past, and I know your future, and I want you to walk with me in my presence, walk with me in forgiveness, 
Walk with me with the assurance that I'm with you into the end of the age. And from Peter, from that moment on, after he looked at Jesus, after his resurrection, and recognised the deepest, darkest moment of his life has been what clean. And forgiveness is him. And he never stopped bearing that message of Jesus rising again the whole of his life. And in fact, when Peter said before Jesus died, I will be with you, I will go to the cross for you, well, he actually did. And we're told that he was crucified upside down in glory of his Lord. Because when he met the risen Lord Jesus and when you meet the risen Lord Jesus, you'll recognise he is with you Personally, he knows you by name. He gives you a peace that will blow your mind and a presence that can only come from him and a forgiveness of your sin that can only be given by him, the one who paid it all. The price has been paid. Paul says it like this, that if you confess your sin, that Jesus is Lord, if you confess with your mouth that he is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you are forgiven. Confess him as Lord. That's not just lip service. That is from the heart that says, I want to walk with you all of the days of my life. And from the heart, You have risen from the grave and I want your presence. I want your forgiveness. I want your hope that you give. I want you. Let's pray. Lord, you know our heart and you know a word before we even say it. So for people who are sitting here this morning that may never have given their heart to Jesus, given their heart to you, and they look you straight in the face and they want to hear you say you're forgiven, we're told in the Bible that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I pray, Lord, for those who have never done that, will look at you in the face and hear you say you are forgiven because I paid the price on the cross for you. I pray, Lord, that we walk each day in your presence. I pray, Lord, that we have the assurance of the truth that you are the risen Lord Jesus and that each day we will understand that your forgiveness brings about great responsibility and that is to share with this world And every person on this planet, whoever you bring our way, that the risen Lord Jesus is here, that you once were dead and now you have risen to the praise and glory of your name. Amen.